Howdy doody, everybody. Welcome to another Homebrewed Podcast. I'm Cameron Smith, winner of the Men's All-Age 2 Grand Final, and I'm joined by Eamon Snow. You deserve that. Cam's good to win goal, and so we're, we're, we're allowing him all of that showering mm. of praise. It's got nothing to do with the chat you nothing, are about to hear. None at all. <laughs> no, no, not even close. But thanks, Ella, because your message has inspired us to waffle even more even in the podcast. Yeah, so if you are listening to this podcast and you didn't catch our radio show earlier on tonight or Monday, depending what day you're listening to this, you're not going to understand a word of this. But if you did listen to our show, you will know that we are recording this part of the podcast after the show. Exactly, because we've just chatted to Central Coast artist and now friend of the show, Alaskia. Uh, been playing her music for some time, but never got her in for a chat. So very, very excited about this one. It was a really good chat. Uh, we covered a whole range of things, actually. And if you don't know who she is, I would recommend listening to Alaski's music. Check her out on Spotify, all the places. Her newest song is Lying to Myself. Definitely check it out and check out some of her music that has been featured on Netflix and a bunch of other places, Home and Away. We'll get into that in our chat as well with Alaskia. Do enjoy. We are joined right now by Alaska herself. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. That's all right. Now, you were meant to perform at a drive-in sort of fest, not festival, but a gig, a driving gig, which is like the driving movies that you see, but it's going to be live music, which is exciting So I know how much you love to perform, but that was cancelled. Yeah. So, the whole drama with the council, um, we just got a message like a few weeks ago, like a few weeks before it, just saying like everything happening with the council at the moment. Like, it's not going to go ahead. So, it actually wasn't to do with COVID this time. Yeah. For, <laughs> just like another thing that went wrong yeah. at, the moment, <laughs> at the moment. It is ironic because we see so many events and festivals cancelled or postponed because of COVID. And this had nothing to do with COVID. It's because somehow the Central Coast Council just flushed all their money down a toilet somewhere and they can't find it. Oh, we've all been in $80 million of debt. Give them a break. <laughs> not that bad. Now, um, how was that for you, though? I mean, missing out, I'm sure you were pretty pumped up for it. Had you had any kind of live plans, like, other than that? Or was that kind of what you had going? Well, I was really looking forward to it because, I mean, it was going to be like the first driving concert on the Central Coast, which I think, like, it would have been a really cool thing to keep going, like to have that as like a regular thing where it was like every couple of months or whatever. Um, so I was really looking forward to that. And I mean, before the whole COVID thing, like I was playing every weekend, but now obviously that's dropped right back. So you do sort of look forward to when it, like a good gig like that comes up. It is pretty devastating when it gets cancelled. But the only other thing that's sort of been really good is the Great Southern Nights. So when are they? Um, I've got one supporting Johnny Emmanuel at Laycock Street Theatre. So have you performed at Laycock before? Um, I have when I was younger, um, you know, doing the whole like yipper and that sort of thing when I was in school. Um, this is probably the first support that I've done at Laycock, like in terms of more like a concert vibe, because they do a lot of obviously theatre and that mm. sort of thing. So uh, like it'll be pretty cool to see what that's like. I'm keen to meet him as well. What's it like before, like when you have something like that, where you have a you're booked on a bill with someone, but you've never met them before? I mean, it's always like it's always really interesting because like usually you get booked on someone 
like that you're like suited to supporting. So, I mean, half the time you'd hope that you like the person that you're supporting, which I have in the past. Like Vera Blue is one of my favorite artists and I was really lucky to get to support her. And it's almost like nerve wracking when you meet them because you really want to like them. Like you want them to mm. be the, that person that you like think that they are. So never meet your heroes because that's what they say. Otherwise you get really let down. Well, no, I actually, she was amazing. So she like, because I met her, sometimes you don't get to meet them. Like it depends on like how the gig's going. Like, so I met her because it was at the beery and she was still sound checking. Like, so I had my gear there ready to go to sound check after her because they usually do it like in a backwards order. And so she was sound checking and then she kind of finished and she came off and the band was still going. She came over and she like introduced herself, hugged me. She was like, hey, I'm Celia. So I was like, oh my God, yes. Tick. Like you are, you are the real deal. You That's are. really cool. What yeah. about Montaigne? Because you opened for her as well. Also at the Beery. Yeah. She was really nice too. She was really cool. And like the same thing happens. So I think it must be that venue, like the way that that works, that they, they sort of sound check and it always comes like runs a little bit later. So like I was just kind of hovering there waiting for my slot and she came over and said, hey. And then I ended up seeing her later. She was really chill. She was just like sitting on the beach vibing before her set and everything. That's so, cool. Yeah. yeah. I can see that though. I, can tell, all, I, can yeah. see, I couldn't imagine Montaigne not being nice. No, she's super like, nice. And she was super chill. Like it was just very like calm energy, like talking to her, which is like exactly what I imagined. Yeah. What about the other side? Do you have artists you have artists that you've never met or that you haven't met that have disappointed you? I haven't yet, but I've heard people that have had that. And I'm like so dreading the day that that happens because I don't want to meet that person and then be like disappointed. And then like you'd, you'd it, ha- struggle to listen to their music after that. 100%. That's what it's like. Once you find out bad things or that there's someone is like an asshole in one way or another and a musician you like, you cannot, it's just ruined it for you. It does. Mm. Like, you can't listen to them same because you're just thinking that. You're like, yeah, this is a good song, but you're a jerk, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thankful to every artist that we've interviewed have been, like, really cool and open with their time. We haven't had anyone yeah, we haven't, yet we? be like, okay, guys, I've only got two minutes or, you know, can we make this snappy or real blunt and rude with any, like, answers to their questions? Yeah. Like, everyone's been more than happy to have a chat and, you know, a bit of a laugh. So, we've been pretty lucky in that aspect too. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'd be the same for you guys. Like, you might have this really good song, but then you've met them before and if they're a jerk you're gonna be like well i don't want to play it yeah so. yeah <laughs> and we have massive reach like, to, like, across the whole world so if you don't get played on us it's a massive blow really. oh yeah it's, it's huge huge but, H- huge dent in your musical <laughs> career <laughs> the one thing though from our perspective if, if we uh, like the weirdest thing we've had with interviews is that we've had managers listen in the whole time mm. and once that's, you get that's, to the that's strange really weird the higher up the labels will They'll, so you don't call the artist directly or contact the artist directly. It's all through a label and then they'll call you and then they link in the artist. So we, I guess it's for safety for the artist. Like we don't get their contact number. Or like we don't ask them anything we're not meant to, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Strange. So yeah, they can always jump in or I don't even know what they do. They just sort of scroll through Facebook half listening or whether they're actually there like taking notes, be like, that person shouldn't yeah, have said cut that. This, like, cut this, Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, I'm not too weird. sure. And then at the end they're like, all right, Cam and Eamon, see you guys. I'm like, you're still on the line. That's right. Yeah, it's really strange. Yeah, I forgot you were there. But um, so Montaigne and Vera Blue, what did you learn from them? What was your big takeaway experience? I think... Um, I think they're really good. Obviously, they're great vocalists. They have good songs and all, like all of that. Um, watching them actually play live was really, really cool because just the energy that they bring and how they perform and use the stage was really, really cool to watch. And I feel like, I mean, 
it just like it's just a, a thing where like they're different every time the, they perform like you know they never have the same performance and I love that and they've just got this energy live that you don't get when you listen to a recording like not to say that they're not as good as their recording but just what they bring to the stage when they perform is really cool so especially Montaigne I mean she hits those notes yeah. in every recording session so I mean they're already high energy enough I can only like I haven't seen a live I'd love to I can only imagine what her live show would be like yeah no it's really cool and just the way she like moves when she's singing those notes it feels like it's traveling like through her i thought mm. that was really cool that's so cool it's probably like this part of that kind of beach vibe out before the gig is just kind of like getting in that zone and then you just go for it and from your perspective is it like you, your, your music as well like it carries a lot of energy like it's atmospheric it's kind of big is that hard to translate into like a stage show Necessarily, like I mean, you can perform it because I know from like our perspective from radio, it's like I had to do a video not long ago for something else I do, and I found it so weird <laughs> to actually have to try and be expressive and emotive, even though I'm on the radio expressing myself in my voice all the time. Is it kind of the same for a live performance? I mean, I like personally, I love performing live, and I think like I don't find it hard expressing, you know, myself when I'm singing and that sort of thing, and I guess that might be because. Like I write my own songs, so I feel like whatever I'm singing, I'm feeling like I can relate to it. So it's I'm thinking about like what the lyrics, like when I'm singing them, and I guess that just comes across in my face when I'm doing it. So I feel like I would find it harder doing that to like covers and that sort of thing, especially if I didn't relate to them. So usually if I've sung covers before, it's like songs that like have stuck out for me and do mean something because I think that's like a big part of it. I think if you can't like if you don't believe what you're singing yourself, like how are you going to make other people believe that or get that message across? Makes sense. It's like kind of why, you know, people can always pick out the like the lip syncing or like the, you know, the, the artist that isn't really invested, they're doing it because they have to kind of thing. Yeah. I actually, It's so funny that you said that because I actually was like, I don't know why, but you know when you're on Facebook and you're like scrolling for videos and like just random ones pop up and I had this like, um, you know, worst lip sync fails <laughs> popped up. It was like hilarious, but it, it like actually has scarred me. Like I can't do it. Like I will never. Oh. Like you can hold this quote. Mm -hmm. Like you can just single out this voice. I will never lip sync. Never. We we're gonna, we're gonna to remember it. that. But if yeah. we catch you out in the Olympics one year, that's <laughs> doing the opening ceremony. Because I guess that would be the big example, wasn't it? Wasn't it in China? Was oh, it the Beijing yeah, Olympics? Yeah, that was one. That was they one. had someone behind the stage singing and someone on stage lip syncing. It was horrible because it was like they were both little girls. I sorry, I just know this. I feel like I'm like no share because I'm learning now. Well, it was like these two little girls, same age, and they just put the prettier one oh. on stage to do it. Yeah, which I feel like is. Horrible. And then that the one horrible. who was actually singing and actually creating the vibe yeah. of the opening ceremony was stuck behind a curtain. Yeah. And my question with lip syncing, you might have more insight into this being an artist yourself. Why do they even do it? Like, you know, there's like those cases of like Britney Spears who's clear lip syncing at her own show or like I think Whitney Houston had a bad one. What? Why Why do you? Why do they do that in the I first mean, place? There's, there's probably like a lot of reasons. Obviously, perfection is... One, like, you know, you're going to get a perfect performance if it's recorded, like, because that's what it's like, that's what your recording is. Like when you're in a studio, you get several takes at it. Like you might sing it the same live as you did in the recording, but you've got like 10 more takes on that in the recording. So they're just going to take your best takes. Whereas live, you can't do that. So some people just probably think, well, why wouldn't I just put my perfect version of myself out there? I mean, other people probably do it because 
they, they might have lost their voice or something like and they need the help. The only thing I could think of is if you have a flu and you're like, well, I can't not do a show. I can't sound awful. Yeah. I'm just going to limp sync. Mm. That will be, that's the only excuse I will accept. Not you though, because you've said to us, you will I never. Yeah. So you have no it. excuse, but that will be the only one that I'll be like, okay, that's fair enough. It yeah. like, makes me anxious just to think about it, and I can't even sing. So like, mm. I, it'd just be, you know, if you stuffed it up once, everyone would know. Especially like live performances too. I guess it depends on the artist. Like if you watch like a Taylor Swift, everything is on time because the lighting, the music, the stage, the costume changes, everything has to be timed to the second. Yeah. But other live shows, I'd be like, oh, yeah, let's just chat to the audience for a little bit. Let's have a little yeah, bit of fun, a little bit of banter. Those ones, you know, if you're trying to lip sync that, the timing could be way off. Yeah, 100%. And try to, like, lip sync the banter with the crowd. That would really work. <laughs> if we try to lip sync a radio show. <laughs> anyway, that, that's another project for us down the line. <laughs> well, well, I've had sort of, just as a complete side note, any time I've, like, edited a video, for one of our things, if it's an audio that like distorts or it's it's wrong in any way, I'm like, I wonder if I could redo this. But it was like, there's no way we could. No. Nah. I, I mean, no. I'd love to see it. <laughs> I, I, look, you'll know. You 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 can spot a phony if you've watched those other ones. And if we post a video, I'll, I'll be the we want to get a comment. call out. Yeah, I'm like guys, dot dot dot. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know what you've done. I know what you did. Yeah, we'll get like a, a letter in the mail. Yeah, uh, but we'll stick it. To, we'll keep your music because that's why you are here. You first um, got into singing songwriting when you were young, about nine, right? And yeah. piano as well. And your first song, if we're correct, was actually at your grandmother's funeral. Yeah, it was. How sad is that? Sad But, I mean, beautiful as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was. Like, I... Well, I was really, really close to my grandma. So, I... My mum... Like, I'm actually wearing her wedding ring, so she gave me that. Um, We were really, really, really close. But my mum asked me if I wanted to say anything at her funeral. Um, Because I was a pretty, like, confident kid and, you know, like, I, I didn't... Like, because I'd sung before that. So, like, I started piano and like songwriting at around nine but I was always singing before that like I was singing since I was three so I didn't mind getting up on stage and you know like all that in front of people so she asked me if I wanted to like speak at the funeral and I found it really really hard to um know what to say like I wasn't sure what I was meant to say at that point and it felt really personal and it felt weird to share all those thoughts so I remember one time I just sat down and I was like, well, what if I just try and write it as a song? Like, what if I just try and sing it? Like, it just made me feel a little bit more comfortable, like, getting it out that way. So I did that and I sang it to mum. She was obviously, like, bawling her eyes out and she was like, oh, my God, it's beautiful. Like, she would love it. So they had this, I remember they had this, like, white grand piano at the funeral, like, the funeral and they... So I just sat there and I just played it. And I, like, I wasn't, because like with a grand, it's kind of hard to face an audience. I wasn't facing them. I was like side on. So it just felt like this really personal moment between me and my grandma. And like, I didn't even think about people watching me, but it sort of was like, it really inspired me after I thought, you know what? I could say anything that I wanted to, like when I put it in a song, like I didn't realize until that moment, like, how easy it was for me to say exactly what I was feeling and communicate that in a song, whereas I couldn't say it, like, but just, yeah, it just came really natural to actually write it down. Mm-hmm. And 
Yeah, you learnt from a very young age the power of songwriting and the way feelings can be expressed through music. Like we see it all the time. So many artists write a very heartfelt or very, you know, emotive and powerful song. But if you were to just have that conversation with them, it would be a lot harder for them to open up. Like you said, do you still, with that song, do you still remember how it goes? Do you still play it or is you, you've kept it personal between you and your grandma? Yeah, I actually, I, I kept it pretty personal because I, I don't think I've ever played it since that moment. Like it was more, that's what it was for. And then I sort of let go of it. Um, you know, like it'll always be special. I always have it there, but... I'd never sing it again. Like it was just literally for that moment. It was just what I wanted to say at that time. And then that was sort of it. It's, it's fascinating. Like, you know, for, again, from a non-musician's perspective, it does make sense though. Is that something that you've carried through your life? Like it's a way for you to process your emotions and express them, you know, like in, in a way that you couldn't otherwise? Yeah, 100%. I find songwriting really therapeutic. And I mean, it's not always necessarily sad things that you're writing about it could just be anything like anything you want to get off your chest and even if it's not directly related to you like I write a lot about other people sometimes when they tell me things and I'm like it's my thoughts on that sometimes you can't always say what you think to them so you know I find it really therapeutic just to write about it and sing about it so almost like getting it off your chest in a way like a little therapy one-on-one with yourself like singing it back to you but yeah, and if it turns out to be like beautiful music, that's just a bonus. <laughs> so you've just struck the jackpot there with that. Um, outside of your music, well, not really outside of your music life at all, is it? It's very much within your music life. You also teach music. Yeah, I um, I teach to like I teach keyboard and singing and songwriting to younger kids, like primary school and that sort of thing. How long have you been doing that for? I've been doing it for a few years now. So I teach at um, Gina Jeffrey's school and I teach at a primary school on the Central Coast as well. Um, it's just really like beginner level, like learning and that sort of thing. Um, aside from the songwriting, that's more older students. But I like I find it, I remember like, because I feel like it's so important when you're first learning music that you don't get turned off it. Like you don't want this horrible you know, impression of it. So like, it's pretty, I, I just do it on the side, obviously, like, you know, music and gigging is, you know, my full-time thing, but I love just being able to start, like contribute in some way and sort of giving back what I've learned to other people. And I guess I'm still always learning myself as well. well. I guess you'd also have the experience of being into music at a young age. So, you know, what worked for you, what's, you know, what would work for a young person as opposed to someone who got into it later in life but they might be, you know, a decent teacher, but it might not connect. Yeah, 100%. I feel like every kid is, you know, every person is different. Like everyone will learn in a different way and it's just about figuring out what way that they're best at learning. And I don't think you could force anyone into it. You know, they've got to want to be able to do it. Like that's the most important thing. Quite a few local artists too are doing that. Remember we spoke to Allura and she teaches music at for like to young kids as well. Yeah, yeah. I Lura, I'm pretty sure Lachlan does it as well. Does um, he? Yeah. Rayside. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he does. Yeah, that's something we didn't know. Talk yeah. talked to me for 45 minutes last week, and we didn't even cover that. That's right. We'll, <laughs> we'll get him next time. We'll get him next time. That's right. I, I got him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, this is why we got you here. Yeah. Um. What have you found that you can like that you've learned or you've adapted into your music from that from teaching the children? Because that's something that, that's really interesting. Yeah, I feel like. Um, a big one is, you know, like communication and, and being down to earth, like just because they're kids doesn't mean 
you shouldn't talk to them, you know, like they're any other person. I think, you know, just treating everyone differently, but also, you know, being open to that everyone is different and everyone can learn a different way. And I'm always doing that too. And I think it's, it opens your eyes up to learning different things and different ways of learning it. I think it's, you know, sometimes you're like, okay, they do better doing this. Maybe I'll get stronger at this and I'll learn this and I'll teach it to them this way so that they can get it. So, And I guess giving them the confidence as well to go about and, you know, if you want to, you know, do- go about your own style or do this or that, like, you know, go for it. Yeah, it's so awesome seeing them, you know, gain the confidence to perform and like just watching them grow. And, and I feel, I guess, just feel proud of themselves, like, you know, you're always going to have someone else that's proud of you, but like when you actually see them feel good about themselves, I feel like that's the best mm-hmm. thing. Another area you could perhaps learn or share your knowledge is with your partner in life, Toby Wells. Yes. <laughs> so another fellow musician from the coast who you are dating. Um, what what do you? Couple. Yeah, another one. Another one of those like Allura too. Allura, actually, yeah. while, while we're talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what do you learn from him? What does he take from you? Is there a very give and take, or is it sort of okay? This is me. This is you. I'll see you in two hours. Like, <laughs> how does it work? I mean, like it's not like I actually never thought I would date another musician because I was like, oh my gosh, the last thing I'd want to do is like you know you know, have that be my whole life and then have that be my whole relationship too. But we're not like that because I feel like he sort of gets, he gets it the same. Like he doesn't want that either. And I feel like we're really supportive of each other when we, like we'll ask if we need that support, like, you know, can you come to this or, you know, can you do this? And it's like, we'll jump on it. We're like, yep, absolutely, whatever you need. And then, but I feel like, you know, if we're not asking for that, we sort of just, we're very chill. Like we're not, talking about music half the time like it's not a whole relationship like that's you know like a whole career and everything but we still have lives outside of that and it's like unless we're gonna bring it up like we wouldn't just talk about that all the time like I feel like there's like a big balance in it that's cool it's it's like um it's like you guys understand each other's escape like the, and and then I suppose your relationship can become like an escape for both of you from yeah, it's like, well, as it should be, because I'm sure as much as you love music, if it was every part of your life and your relationship too, it would become almost overwhelming. Yeah, 100%. So I thought that, like, that's what, like, that's why I wouldn't be, you know, like, end up dating a musician. But it actually kind of works the opposite, because when I dated people before that weren't musicians, they sort of wouldn't get that. They wouldn't get that, you know, like, I can't come because I'm writing a song. Like, they don't get that it's like, no, no, if I'm in it, like, mm. I don't like I don't want to just be going out to the beach or whatever. It's like, I want to finish writing this song. And, like, it's so important to, like, when you've got that creative spark, use it. And, like, I think, you know, you know, Toby and I sort of get that with each other. We appreciate it. So we understand. It's like if he was if he said that to me, I'd be like, okay, cool. Like, I'll see you later. Like, all good. Or do you want me to help? Like, mm. um, and, yeah, and I guess and even just gigs and sort of, that sort of thing like people wouldn't get you know like we've missed out on a lot of birthdays and all like the events sort of over the years because you know we'll be performing and you know dedicating that time to songwriting and you know like our careers and I I think sometimes people that you know aren't musical like that they don't get that but um it's been really cool that yeah we sort of get that about each other. I think that is something too like the the common person wouldn't think of it too much. They'd be like musicians, they have life so good, they just sit around, they play music, they songwrite, <laughs> whatever. Like you, you don't make a fortune as we know, but like you do give up a lot of your time, especially I mean if you 
touring internationally, which isn't happening at the moment, but you're away for months and months on end. And even like if you're just playing the local scene, you'll be like, oh, hey, you got a Christmas Eve market or yeah, I've got a New Year's gig. Like you can't go out and party and enjoy time with your friends. So you are sacrificing a lot of time more than anything else. Yeah. And I mean, I hate like there's some people that like you tell them what you do. Like you'll like that's the first thing, you know, like I feel like it's one of the first five questions you get asked when you meet someone. It's like, oh, what do you do? And there's like two people that like there's two different reactions. There's like you go, I'm a musician or, you know, I'm an artist. And one person's like, wow, that's really cool. Like where do you, where do you perform? What do you do? Blah, blah. And then you get the other person. They're like, oh, what else do you do? And it's like, no, no, that's it. <laughs> that's the. That's the job. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So you don't, I mean, apart from the teaching, you don't do anything else? Um, no, it's mainly just like I mean, it's pretty much music either mm. way. But yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, like that. That success. It's um, it's awesome. Um, one thing we want to talk about as well in terms of creativity uh, is your voice memos on your phone. And we've heard from so many artists about how like they'll just be like singing and then they'll chuck something in their voice memos. How like, important is that to you? And how much of that ends up morphing into like a proper song or a proper yeah. piece of work? No, I'm definitely like my voice memos is my life kind of gal. Um, I like, I get like melodies in like the most random places. So like I'll be driving and then all of a sudden I need to pull over because I've got to get this song out. Like, cause I feel like if I don't get it into my voice memo, like I could forget it. Like, like I'll be like, cause I'm on my way to work or I'm on my way to a gig. And it's like, if I'm on my way to a gig, I'm singing all these different songs. There's no way I'm going to remember that, you know, that melody that came three hours ago. So I get like just crazy little, you know, spurts of melodies that'll come and I like have to like record it straight away. So I've got just thousands of like, you know, labeled melodies like melody idea one and, (laughs) you know, title bridge idea and that sort of thing. Like it's crazy. And what percentage of those actually make it to a song and what percentage of do you listen back the next day and you go, oh, it's trash, delete? (laughs) I mean, I've got like thousands, but like sometimes... I've never like, I mean, there's been a couple of times where I've listened to it and I'm like, wow, I, re- I need to re-record that idea or I'm going to hate it. Or like, I normally like have so many ideas in like a day and I'm talking like they're really short, like they might just be like a tiny little melody idea, but I'll have so many that you can't fit them all into one song. So it ends up being like, I'll work on one and it'll turn into a song, but then I've just got these four of us sitting there and then it's like the next day and it's like, so I feel like a lot don't get used just because it's like constantly like ticking. It's the other inside part of like artistry is that there's so many of our favorite artists and you have like such a backlog of songs that will never make it or that like, yeah. you know, ideas that like kind of flourish to a point and then don't, you know, go beyond that. Is it hard to like make that decision, especially when you've worked on something so much and then you're like, all right, well, we're going to cut this or we're going to stop working on it because I'm not feeling it. What's that process like? Yeah, it's definitely hard. Like I know, you know, one of my friends just went through that and choosing her songs for her album. And there was some that like, you know, she's sort of similar to me. She writes a lot, you know, therapeutically in terms of like, she'll get really attached to some of her songs if they're like, especially, you know, mean something to her. So there was, you know, a couple that she was really attached to and, you know, the big dogs were like, you know, that's not the one. And it was like, it's hard to let go when it's like so personal. But I mean, for me, I don't think I could let go of something if I was (laughs) like that. If I really believed in it, I'd be like, nah. (laughs) Sorry, you're wrong. I quit. (laughs) 
Well, we had similar sort of experience, like writing essays and stuff at uni. Like one uni lecturer was like, kill your darlings. Yeah, that's, yeah. There might be one piece that you absolutely love, but it might somehow kill the flow of the article or your essay, or it might just, it doesn't quite work, but you'd love it. You know, kill your darlings is something that we had to learn. Yeah. That one always rings yeah. in my head ever since like for articles I've written or any radio production stuff I've done outside of a uni and you're like, that's mad, but like you got to cut it down to a certain time frame or something like that. And I mean, always in my head is Kate going kill you darling yeah. in, in my head. I've yeah. never ever forgotten it. And it is very, very effective. It is. Cause even, even today I was cr- like recreating a new promo for our show and I had like just sort of, you know, flexing and it was like all the artists we've interviewed doing their little ID for us. And it was, it, just, it was just too long. I had to cut some out and I was like, but I don't want to cut them. Like, <laughs> it's been like, no. you know, we've interviewed all these people. I want to promote that, that to the world, it. but it's yeah. like, kill your darlings, Cameron, get rid of a few. So had to cut some, but um, the notes and the voice memos that you use, it's obviously working pretty well for you because I was probably wide covered now, but you featured on a Netflix show, Dynasty, as well. There was another US TV series that you featured on as well. Um, Calling Out My Name also has over 500,000 streams on Spotify, and you had a song featured on Home and Away. Yeah. What is it like in that whirlwind when all these people being like, hey, can we use your song for this? Like, it sort of just blew up instantly. Yeah, it was... It- it was like it was really weird because like after it landed on Dynasty, like it did. The numbers just went like up crazy in terms of streams, and like you you can kind of see where your streams are coming from. You know, they show you what country and that sort of thing, or sometimes you know where like what source of like where it's coming from. Apple Music, Spotify, like etc. Um, and a lot of them came from Shazam, which mm. I'm assuming was you know people oh, Shazam in yeah. the show. They've heard and they've gone oh. What's this? I like that. Which yeah. is like yeah. the ultimate compliment, I think, as well. You know, like they, that, like, you know, you select and play something, but when you hear something and you're like, I need to know this song to yeah. the point where you're using Shazam. I mean, I've done it. Like, it's really funny because I did the same for um, a song that was on Home and Away ages ago. I used to watch it with my mom. Like, um, what age were you? I, I don't know. Like, it was young. Like, it was like primary school. Yeah, because I went through a period probably between 10 and 12. I was obsessed yeah. with Home and Away. Yeah, same. I was like following that storyline like yeah. there was no tomorrow. But, yeah, yeah no, I, I remember Shazamming. I remember the song and everything. I remember Shazamming. Um, it was a song by Rye X called Howling. And I remember like I literally like paused it and read around <laughs> the show and like made sure I Shazammed it. And it's just weird that I was doing that and now like people are doing it to my music. Like it's just, I don't know, it's just really, it's a weird thought process that's come like full circle. The circle of life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How cool though. How cool. And what's it like for you? I mean, like when you go from obviously having ambitions for your music, but you release that and then boom, and you've just got all of these things just all like appearing out of nowhere. How do you like handle that as an artist? Because I imagine it would be like almost overwhelming. Well, I mean, I wasn't overwhelmed, but it was more inspiring. Like it's really nice when you, because obviously, you know, your songs mean a lot to you. And I guess... I've always had this thought process of like, no matter what, you know, whether five people listen to it or 5,000 or, you know, 5 million, whatever it is, it's like, I've got to love it. And so I always feel good when I release a song because I know that I'm proud of it. I know that it's my best and, you know, you've got to be happy with that no matter what sort of happens. So it was really cool to sort of get that feedback of like, you know, people do like it and, you know, it's worth something to someone else as well. Bit of a bonus. You're like, yeah, I, I'm happy with this. 
it's mine and then people also enjoy it you see that as a bonus as opposed to you know i'm releasing music people must like this or yeah, 100%. I, I don't connect to it but other people might like every song to you seems very personal yeah and then you know it's you said you've already said it, like it's quite therapeutic for you to go through that process of songwriting and releasing it yeah. for to have half a half a billion people Half a million, 500,000, half a million people. <laughs> no, it's a half a billion. <laughs> like, connect to your song. I mean, we're recording this in 2048, so half a billion people yeah. have <laughs> connected to May it. May as well be with this year. Oh, it's, I know. It's it, crazy. Yeah, it is pretty crazy. Like, it's it's just, yeah, it's just something that, like, you you can't. I just feel like, you know, I think Billie Eilish has said something similar, and I completely agree with her. It's like you know, music is so subjective and not everyone's going to love it. And, you you know, you've got to accept that when you're putting it out there. Like there's, there's, I'm sure there's, you know, people that don't like the song and that's totally fine because I do and that's what matters. But I think she said something once like, you know, if you're putting it out there for everyone else to love and you don't love it, then no one's going to love it. Mm. Whereas, you know, at least one, at least, you know, there's one guaranteed person that's going to love it if it's yourself. We have the same thought with our show it's like if we don't enjoy doing it if we don't think it's a good idea or it's funny we're not going to do it like if we can entertain ourselves and have fun and then if other people also find entertaining and they can enjoy it that's cool but we sort of it's a bit selfish in a way we do this show for us and for our own entertainment yeah i mean but that's where the the the, that's the base of all good creative endeavors it's just funny you've got like half a million streams but we were going through our um podcast thing the other day and we're like all right well we can like kind of settle on that we have like was it 30 consistent listeners throughout the podcast thing and i was like wow that's actually quite cool i mean it's like not a big number i was like it's really cool that these people are consistently taking the time to listen to it. So that's why I was like overwhelming because on a scale of half a million, you'd be like, whoa, <laughs> it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to sort of conceptualize too, like 500,000 people. Like you got the stadium down here at Gosford, that's 20,000. <laughs> like you'd multiply that and you're like, wow, that's a lot of people. They can sort of start to visualize it. So yeah, yeah. you mentioned you use, do you still use Shazam? For songs that you enjoy, yeah, I did it in Coles the other week. Okay, in the freezer aisle, I was Coles like, Radio. Yeah, that's right. they play some good songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you use that as okay? I I like the sound of this. I want to listen to this, or is it there's something about this song which is cool or funky, which I might try and utilize in my music, and then you Shazam it that way. Do you, do you do that at all? No, it's just if I love it, like if I love, you know, whether it's the lyrics or if I just love the melody or, you know, the chords or just the whole vibe of the song. I'm like, I just need to add this to my library. You know, like it's mm. – and, you know, I'd never listen to a song thinking like, mm, how can I, you know, put that in my music? Because I think at the, something that's like really important to me as well is that I always want to be unique. Like I never want to sort of be like I, – I hate saying like, oh, my song sounds like this song because then it might as well just be that song. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I like just being like, you know, this is my – song and yeah i like these artists and you know they're really influential and i listen to them but i'm not trying to sound like them so that said though you must have some influences and people have influenced yeah. your music 100 percent. i love fleetwood mac i love hall and oats i love heim dua lipa they're all like you know just wide range too that is yeah. a that is real range but it, and a lot of females yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. go the females <laughs> they're, they're, yeah, heim awesome as well in particular their uh last album 
women in music. Really, really cool. Yeah. But it is, I mean, I suppose you, you know, you draw on a like an eclectic range. Yeah, um, 100%. To, you know, to like inform how you want to be as an artist and then you land on something that's unique. Have you ever like had the, you know, like when you're, when you're finding that sound, was it so much a search for you or did you just find yourself there? I feel like it's definitely a journey. Like I don't know anyone that's just found their sound instantly and I feel like it's a lot of growth and I feel like your sound's always going to evolve as well. I mean, my latest single is really different to calling out my name and I think that's just evolved as well and it doesn't necessarily mean your older songs are worse or your new songs are better or that sort of thing, but I feel like it's always going to change. Like, you know, as a, as a person you're growing and you're changing, so why wouldn't your music do the same with you? As long as fans understand that, because you see a lot of like in you know the the older like rock genre in particular, once they transform a bit more poppy, to either save the times or that's just the natural evolution of them and their music. Their fans hate yeah. it. Yeah, but like, I mean but, it's worked for some people. Like Taylor oh, Swift was country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And then even that last uh, her her most recent album as well has this like kind of arcs back to like this kind of indie folk yeah, type she's thing. Come, like come around. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and I mean it is it's completely part of the the, na- the natural progression of an artist. But fans get and, and it's like the double edged sword of an artist in the first yeah. place because if you stagnate, then your fans are going to go, well, you're not creating anything new. I yeah. mean that I feel like the greatest fear again this is me projecting. I have no idea, but I feel like the greatest fear as an artist would be like you'd release an album and you'd be like, sweet, it's getting really well reviewed, and then that thought of like what's next, I feel like would be scary in terms of having to to back it up and and like you know that you you know you, you will transform and then transforming in the right way. I reckon that'd be terrifying. Yeah, I mean, the what next question is always something that plays on your mind for sure. You're always constantly thinking. And I mean, if you're not thinking that, then you're going to stagnate and you're going to stop. And I think that's probably the scarier thought is that if I'm not thinking what next, then I'm not going to be doing Mm. something. Or even then you're like, well, this worked last time. Let's just sort of try and replicate that. And it doesn't mean it's always going to have the same success. Like if you just yeah. created another song like Calling Out My Name, it doesn't mean Netflix are going to come knocking again. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Speaking of that, how did they approach you, Netflix? I got a, yeah, I got an email, same with Home and Away. Um, I think Home and Away was like from the executive of Channel 7 or, or whatever. Um, and it was just like, it's always sort of like, hey, we really like this song. We think it would be really suited for, you know, Home and Away or whatever. Um, would you be interested in letting us use it? And then basically you either say yes or no and then they'll send through like a proper contract and they'll let you know what scene it's going to be in and how long it's going to play for and all that sort of thing. You've always got the inside scoop on that episode or at least that little part yeah, yeah, yeah. of the episode. You're like, oh, my God, Alf dies? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually – it was really funny because like for the Home and Away one, that was for I Will Do Anything their previous single and um my mum still like religiously watches the show so she was honestly <laughs> messaging me like once a day being like honestly I think it's going to be between like Bella and <laughs> and I was like I literally was like mum I don't watch it like I don't know but I had the scene like in my email so I was like I do know like <laughs> I'm not going to spill the beans just like you, you I can, think I can't ruin it like you could like wager you're like yeah all right you can play the song on a show but just tell me what are you planning to do with this character and then you, you know, that's how you negotiate. Have, I mean, do you get compensation. For, you have to tell us how much, but you do get some sort of compensation. So would there be any inclination to say no? Like was there a thought in your mind that was like, I actually don't want this song 
on the show either because I don't watch it or it wouldn't match the scene or whatever? Like, did you have a thought of saying no? Um, definitely not. I was so <laughs> excited <laughs> when I got like all of them, I like all the shows that I've asked, like I'm all for as well. So when they asked, actually Dynasty, I thought, because I... I'm sort of like my mom with Home and Away. I'm like that with Dynasty. So I was watching. So you're a fan. I was a fan oh, of Dynasty. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. So my song got in season two and I already watched season one. So I was already like, bring on season two. But um, when they asked me, I, so I thought it was a joke because I was like, you know, like my friends and family know that I watched this. Like I was like, who's stitched me? You know, that was the first time I'd ever been asked. So I was like oh no, like someone stitched me up and I'm going to say yes anyway because what if it's just not? In, like, just yeah. case. That's crazy. Like That would be so cool being a fan of the show and then just season two, like, hey. I mean, like you wouldn't necessarily be expecting it. Yeah, no, I wasn't. It was really cool. So, I mean, I guess like to answer your question, like I probably would hesitate if it was something that, you know, if it was something that I like was against what I believed in, you know, like. I don't know, cruelty of animals or something, I probably wouldn't be like, yeah, use my song in that. So, Would you like to promote the Melbourne Cup? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I can, I'm also trying to picture you scrolling through that email. It'll happen in this scene when this... You're like, no, don't tell me. Spoilers. Yeah. Well, I mean, opposite, because I like kind of read it. I'm like, the characters <laughs> in it. I was like, oh, my God, they're my favourites. <laughs> they're not dead. I was like, yes, like, put me in that scene, please. <laughs> So it's a, I haven't seen the show personally. So it's a big scene, is it? It was. I mean, the songs very, you know, dramatic. I guess you'd mm. say. So it was. It was a dramatic scene. I guess they were like, you know, they just their plan had been defeated, and they're all on the plane back home, and it was just this sad, like, dramatic, like we we lost sort of we lost the war kind of thing. But I loved it. I was like, oh my God, the drama. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just adds to it. It's, it's cool. You know, your your flavor was what created that, you know, that dramatic really feel cool. to it. It was really cool. I was like, oh my God, this is so dramatic. And they're using my song to be so dramatic. I was like, I love it. Uh, we want to talk about your new one now as well. You mentioned it before, Lying to Myself. It got a premiere via Triple J Unearthed. And you also played like a, a stripped back acoustic version for Triple M Central Coast, which on a side that the triple M is still confusing me. That's that's neither here nor there. How has that been? How's the initial reaction been and how's it been for you? It's been really cool. It was really cool to have that support, like, initially. Um, it's always encouraging when, you know, because that was before it got released, um, you know, on all platforms. So it was really nice to have that support before the release. Um, it always sort of, like, makes you feel a little bit more, you know, motivated when you're actually on the day of the release. But there was definitely a lot of, local support you know there's heaps of people sharing it locally and that sort of thing and I feel like that was really nice that sense of community like when that came out so it's it's been going good in that sense and you know I'm, I'm pretty grateful for the support the Central Coast gave me when it came out. I think the local support I mean it's always crucial but do you think given the current times and the climate where it's harder to get your name known having that local network and that local support is sort of more important? I feel like it's definitely support, like definitely important because, you know, like if you're, you know, you, you're in, and I mean, Central Coast is small. It's like if you're not getting behind each other and I feel like, you know, for artists, it's not like it shouldn't be competitive. Like we've got so much talent on the Central Coast and like I get excited when someone's releasing a song and like I'm all for that. So it's nice to get that back and have, yeah, have that little community and have like that little support that, you know, you can have a song in Netflix and whatever, but 
you know, if you don't have your own town supporting you, then. Mm. Well, it's also one of those things like don't be like try not to drag other people down. Like if you're trying to push them up along the way, they'll either give you a hand and pull you up or they'll push you up as well in the next step. Like and just we'll use Allura again as an example. Like yeah. you're both doing really good things around the coast, but you're like, oh, she's doing this or she's looking at you going, oh, she's been on Netflix. Like you're like, oh. She's a cool artist from the coast. Yeah, she's cool. I love her songs. Like, yeah, yeah let's give her some been, support. Yeah, exactly. I actually messaged her, um, you know, when a single moderation came out because it would just get stuck in my head. And oh, the us random too. Yeah, it's got that. It does. It's got that little ring to it. And no, she's really cool. Like, and that's what I mean. It's like it shouldn't be like, oh, she's got a good song. It should be like, wow, she's got a really cool song. Yeah, mm. and to the credit of the Central Coast music community, that is everything we've seen mm. in the like three years that we've been doing this is that like, and it's always struck us and it, it never fails to how both interconnected and then supportive of one another. Everyone is like, Oh yeah, I know that band. I love them. They're awesome. Or they've played in that band or they've, you know, done this. They had a project in the past. It's, yeah. it's really, really cool. And you know, it's ongoing, but I suppose, yeah, during the pandemic when everything shut down a whole lot more, that would gain this whole new importance and relevance. And the radio stations as well. Like, how did you find that rebranded Triple M Central Coast thing? I mean, that was pretty cool, actually, that they um, got us to do that. Um, I was pretty stoked to, to go in the studio and it was weird. You know, you had to do the whole sign-in COVID thing and you sort of, like, get whacked with that reality again. But in the studio, it felt really nice to just play, you know. In front of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just the presenters and producers to play again in front of people. Yeah, yeah. and it was weird because, like, like that's probably the first, you know, live stream thing that I've kind of done. So again, it wasn't like a, you know, performance to this big crowd or whatever. It was like literally me and, you know, two two of the camera guys and I think um, you know, one of the people from the station, like the manager came in just to, you know, see how see how it was going. <laughs> but I I remember like I, you know, they wanted me to introduce my songs. Um, you know, cuz I did a couple. That was one of the ones I did, um, lying to myself. And they were like, oh, can you just, you know, treat it like a live gig and introduce your next song? And I remember just at one point being like, this is so weird. Like, who am I introducing this to? <laughs> Thanks for coming out, guys. Yeah. Like, it's I, been great tonight. I, yeah, I, I couldn't help it. Like, I would start introducing it and I'd just be staring at the one cameraman because I was like, you're all I have to talk to. <laughs> Give me some feedback, man. Come on. I was like, can I get a thumb or something? <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of that Carl Barron joke. He said he's gone to see, like, it was like a, you know, just a cover artist or something. He saw someone play and he goes, before every song, he get the guitar and he goes, and it goes a little something like this. Yeah. And it's like, you haven't nailed that yet? Like, play it exactly how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like you'd be in that moment of just being like, how can I try and recreate, like, a live scene in front of that camera guy? Yeah, I remember I actually did end up just saying, like, I, I literally said, I don't think they even edited it out or anything. Like, it was live. I was just like, look, this is really weird. Um, You know, I'm, you know, I'm used to an actual crowd right now, but, you know, this is my next song anyway, if yeah, you are yeah. listening on the other end. Such is the times that we're in. Um, But the the track, the new single, Lying to Myself, what can you tell us about that track itself? What is it? What, what's gone into that? What's it about? Um, I, Well, I guess that song for me was about, you know, not necessarily like a direct experience from myself. I mean, I've definitely experienced it before and it was more like I've spoken to so many of my friends and that sort of thing and I guess 
not just a girl perspective, like girls and guys. And I feel like sometimes they get stuck in this relationship where, you know, they feel like they can't do better or they're too comfortable to, you know, know that they can do better. It's like they won't branch out of that. And I feel like it's just, you know, that it's just that realisation that, you know, I can do better and a little bit of self-love and, you know, sometimes you just got to put yourself first and and walk away from something if it is a little bit toxic and, yeah, it's pretty much. And that's your second single release so far? Of 2020, yeah. Yeah. So have you got any more planned for the rest of the year? Or I heard the whispers there might be an EP in the works for early next year. Yeah, so I'm I'm working on an EP and I'm also um, currently like right at this moment. I'm doing a couple of... Literally right now, we're watching her do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, super productive. Yeah, I'm actually like doing it right <laughs> now, guys. Um, yeah, no, I'm doing a couple of collaborations. So like I was going to ask about collabs. Yeah, yeah. One from the Central Coast. I mean, I won't drop names yet. Come on. Um, until oh, come it's, on. Until it's finished. I'll, I'll let you guys know first. I just won't drop it right now. But uh, that's, that's a compromise. Mics are off. Who is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll ask you afterwards, yeah. <laughs> And um, another one from overseas, which will probably they'll probably release it under their name, but it's a little bit more, you know, they're kind of DJs and it's a little bit more that sort of vibe. Very, very exciting stuff. So you'll, you'll still be jam-packed into next year as well. Do you have, I mean, we miss the, the driving gig. Uh, thanks, Council. <laughs> um, but but what, do you have anything else on the horizon as, as far as live performances go or is it still a bit touch and go? I mean, it's always just sort of like you take it as it comes and you've got, got like I've always got goals and things that I want to be doing, but um, at the moment I just want to keep recording and releasing as much music as possible and hopefully, you know, I guess that's what I'm focusing on at the moment until I can tour and until I can go overseas and sort of take that abroad Um, because that would be really awesome to sort of do that now that, you know, it's been in a Netflix show and, that you know, I might have some people over there that'll be keen to. You, you know, definitely come, have come people over there. You have a yeah, you know, you, you global. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm look. I I was really looking forward to doing something like that this year. So I'm looking. I'm still looking forward to doing that. But until then, I'm just going to keep just releasing as much music as possible, and hopefully, people will sing it back to me at my concerts. That'll be such a cool feeling. I mean, um, you've probably already had that, but like. I, I've always thought like standing on stage, just holding a mic out to the crowd and having them sing back lyrics, which you have literally crafted on a page. Like it'd be one of the most surreal feelings. Yeah. I think it's, it's so amazing just to know that, you know, someone's listened and, you know, actually remembers what you're saying. And like, it's not just, they're just watching you like, and yeah, this is cool. Like they actually, th- you know, have thought about it and you know that they're, you know, believe in it as much as you do. The closest I've ever had to that is either someone says "Howdy Doody" back to me, <laughs> or usually it's mate. <laughs> yeah, still the Avon who walks in, or Hoops by the Rubens plays, and people are like, "What? I'm, I haven't tuned into Homebrew. What's going on?" Yeah, like, yeah, well, that one tricks us. That's like the only thing. Like I remember I was at a Mariners game when they played that during a warm up. And in my head, I was just like doing Greg's bit of the intro. Homebrew, <laughs> Cameron Smith, the name Snow. That's the closest we've ever had to someone saying back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're not yet. Like, you haven't got some iconic pun that everyone's remembered no. or anything like that. You have oh, to get yeah. one. You have to get a catchphrase that yeah, you say at the yeah. end of each show. I'll ring up. I'll say it back to you. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. It's like, could be the Tata and Farewell, but we, just, we don't say that. That's, no. that's that guy. He's got that sword. Yeah, we can't steal his thunder. No, no. Good old democracy. 
manifest. We'll, but we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll work on it. We will. Uh, <laughs> Alaska, we do thank you for taking time out and joining us here on Homebrewed. Best of luck with everything moving forward in the EP release. And as soon as we hit stop on these mics, I'm going to get that inside scoop on your local collab. <laughs> if we can. If we can. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for having me and hopefully I'll be back soon.